All right. Just so you don't think these are somehow props for my sermon, these are to remind you to bring school supplies for Kaiser. And I'm going to move them so that you're not wondering why they're there. Uh, but do bring school supplies over the next week for Kaiser. We'll take them over there. It's a way to bless them and let them know that we support uh, our kids and uh, their kids and our kids in all the different spaces. Uh, piling on, I like that, that idea. Uh, there's, I want to just start by acknowledging that there's a weird uh, feeling as a preacher uh, to do a sermon that talks a lot about a human that's not named Jesus. Um, but I think that there's biblical reasons to do so and, and good reasons to do so. One of them is occasionally in the New Testament, we see opportunities where Paul gets autobiographical and he talks about himself and he talks about his life. And at one point he even says uh, that he's doing that for a purpose so that as he follows Christ, you might follow him. And it turns out that if you're in a church and you're in ministry, there are occasions and times that we need people who can say, hey, follow me as I'm following Jesus. And so there's people that are worthy of, of example in that way. Um, there's a little bit of a risk also uh, anytime you kind of get up and start talking about someone shortly after they've passed away um, that you turn them into just a really good saint, you know, Saint Henry, and you overlook some of his flaws so I want to get a few of those out in the open before we really get started. Um, Henry would occasionally call me over the last couple of years and say, I've got a problem. I need you to come by and help fix it. And I'm a minister, so I thought it was spiritual. And it was never spiritual. It was always Facebook. Um, he would call me. And not that it's just the things he was posting. He would call me and he's like, I need you to put Facebook back on my computer. And it's like, that's not how it... I'll be right over, Okay. Um, he lived pretty close. It was easier to just go put it back on his computer. It's a shortcut. That's all it was. He thought it was a program. It's fine. Um, you know, occasionally he would download different card games and he'd get all the junk that came with downloads that are free on the internet and we'd go get rid of those. So, you know, there was that. Uh, occasionally I didn't shave and he'd walk up to me and go, man, did cat lick your face? I don't even know what that means. <laughs> but I would laugh and kind of play along. Um, Henry and, and Kevin and Dale and Bill Hole all became elders right about the time that I started working here at Northwest, like 15 or 16 years ago. That all kind of happened about the same time. Um, and Jeff's right. It was a good time to add those shepherds to the four that were already, uh, already there. Um, and so that, that was a, a real blessing. Um, but I also would like to let you know that I would probably have a year of my life back if it were not for the amount of time that Henry added to meetings and prayer sessions that I've been in a whole year. Um, so that's something. So he's a real human and he had flaws and he had all these other things. And yet he made an impact at Northwest and a big one and in a lot of our lives. And you've seen that in the comments that have already been shared today. Uh, and there's a genre of preaching and teaching that used to be more common in Christianity and in, in not just Christianity, but really in the Greek and Roman world called uh, hagiography. Hagiography. And, and what it literally means is um, the storytelling of the holy ones. And, and it was a genre of teaching that was designed in such a way as to do that work of saying, man, there's someone who's following Jesus and who is worthy of us following them. And you would tell their story because their stories would be a way for you to evaluate your own life and for you to evaluate your own impact and choices and decisions. And that's really what we're going to be doing today. Are we going to be looking at Henry's life and his legacy and his impact? 
Yeah, he was a shepherd at Northwest that mattered a lot to a lot of us. But really what we're doing is looking at someone who was looking at Jesus. And that's going to help us, I hope, to think about how am I doing as I look to and follow Jesus to lead those who might be following me. So as we get into that today, that's, that's the, the goal of what we're doing uh, as we do that uh, today. Um, some of you, uh, if you've started coming here in the last three years, three, four years, and there's a lot of you that that's true, that you're newer here, uh, you're sitting here today going, who is this guy that they keep talking about? Um, Henry was one of the shepherds of this congregation for many years, uh, and he was just, he's... He's, Henry's not like anyone else. Is that, can I say that? Henry was a different kind of fellow. And he impacted this church uh, in a significant way, and it's worthy of noting. So if you don't know Henry, let's, do we have the photo of him? Uh, can I, we'll maybe get that a second. This is Henry and his wife, Karen. Karen's here today. Um, and Henry was someone that was important to this church. He grew up in southeast Oklahoma. Uh, he was a school teacher, a basketball coach, and a textbook salesman. Somehow, having those three jobs made him qualified to give anybody advice on anything. Um, and so what I mean is this, Henry would come up to me sometimes and say, I need to talk to you about your sermons. Um, and I'd say, okay. And he's like, now I used to, to sell uh, textbooks and other teaching materials to schools. And so I know I'm qualified to give you advice as a preacher. And I would think, I don't think it works that way. He's like, it does. It's like, okay, I'll, I'll take it. Um, and then he would give me advice. And with, almost without fail, I would hear what he was saying, and I would think, that is so true. That's so true. Um, one of the things he told me one time, this was on a plane ride. He and I were on, with Bill going to Greece um, and, and just had a great week while we were there. But on the plane, he says, I need to talk to you about something you do when you're preaching, or, or mainly you don't do. I thought, okay, uh, you're a textbook salesman. This should be great. Um, he says, there is a tendency for public speakers to look more towards their dominant hand and to never look towards their left hand. Um, and I said, I don't, I don't think I do that. And he says, you do. And so over the next couple sermons, while I'm up here preaching, this is the kind of stuff that goes through my head, just so you know. Um, I'm looking here, and back in those days, the youth group would sit here, um, and Marie, you've sat there for your whole life. It turns out, I didn't know Marie was there. I never looked over here. And I started looking over here, and Marie, I even looked far enough that I saw Wade, and I was like, I don't even know why I'm doing this. I'm going back over here. <laughs> and Henry was so good at giving you little nuggets of, of wisdom and of teaching and instruction and, and that just helped you become a better version of whatever it is that you were doing. He did that. Uh, he was persistent in getting his little nuggets of wisdom across. Um, I, on another occasion, I think he told me, and Karen, you'll have to tell me if this is wrong, but I think he had to propose to Karen several times. She's nodding. I got this right. Two or three? Was it two or three? Yeah. Yeah, two. Okay, only two. She said yes on the second try. That's persistence. When you, you get told once, no, come again when you kind of grow up a little bit more in a couple years, and then you kind of go, okay, I'll do that. That's something. But Henry was someone who... Uh, once he was dug in on what he believed was the right thing, would really dig in. Uh, and in, good, in his good moments, it was incredible persistence. Uh, in others, it was just downright stubbornness. 
but he found ways to bless people in each of those moments with his willingness to, to passionately pursue what he knew to be best. When he first came to Northwest, which really, uh, all things considered, was later in life, um, he was really at a point in his life where he was ready to retire. And his, Henry's retirement plan consisted of a fishing cabin and a lot of time outdoors. And he had this fishing cabin, and he was ready to go there, and he came to Northwest and visited here and started to very quickly say, there's something about this church that's just getting, getting he was getting stuck to and that he was attracted to. You know, a number of occasions he and I would talk and he would share that this church was just so welcoming and warm in ways that he had not experienced at a church before. It was so filled with, with grace and forgiveness and a spirit of saying, listen, we don't care where you come from or who you are, you're welcome here. This is your, this is your home. You're here when, with us when you're here. It was a church of people that really loved each other, and it wasn't just something they said. And so if you're new here at Northwest, you need to know that this legacy of loving and including people is something that goes back generations and has to continue for this church to be a vibrant and loving community of God's family to echo forward in our lives. For Henry, though, one of the things that that meant was that, that his plan to retire and spend all of his time at a fishing cabin was getting changed by God. That God was putting on Henry's heart that he needed to not be a fisher of fish, but a shepherd of people. And as Henry began coming more and more to Northwest and falling more and more in love with this church, what he realized is that his retirement would be better served loving the people in this room than spending time outdoors fishing and relaxing. So he changed his plan, and he changed it dramatically. And one of the things that I think we need to, to learn from that, that I need to learn from that in the church today, is that so often in the world today, commitment is not what it used to be. Commitment is not what it used to be. And Henry was uh, one of those people who demonstrated, if I have an opportunity to live a life of leisure and outdoor fun and entertainment and relaxation and a life of God calling me to serve and love people, I need to choose to 100% commit to being this shepherd. And he sold his fishing cabin and he committed to this church family. And one of the things we've learned at Northwest in recent years, and this is not just true here, it's true in lots of places, is that our membership numbers often stay about the same. You know, we have 350, 400 members who are here, but our attendance keeps dropping over time. And the reason that that really is, is that any time one of our members who is a 100% attender always shows up, always is committed, always invest in the church family, whether it's in fun things or important things or spiritual things, they show up. Anytime a 100 percenter passes away or is no longer able to come to church, it takes two 50 percenters to take that spot. And we deal with this over and over again in, in ministry where we say, listen, how do we get people to commit more, to be more involved, to be more present, to show up when it's a benefit to them and when it and sometimes showing up when it's not to their advantage, but it might be to the benefit and advantage of someone else. And Henry demonstrated that by putting the church ahead of his fun retirement. And we as Christians, I think, need to evaluate. I, I don't want to go back to the days where attendance was how we measured whether someone was close to God or not. But I think we need to evaluate if we've become so casual in our commitment that other things take precedence over our willingness to be part 
of the flock, and in Henry's case, a shepherd of the flock. And that doesn't just go for Henry. Uh, in the past couple of weeks, we've had several other funerals. The flowers that are up here, I believe, are from Helen Hudson's funeral uh, earlier this week. And, uh, and Donna Anderson passed away recently. And, and while Henry's getting so much recognition today, there are so many, and Jeff mentioned this earlier, so many special members of this church who have been so committed for so many years who've left their own legacy of faith their own mark in so many of our, our lives. And, and it's worth noting, you know, Hebrews has this amazing passage where it goes through and lists all these heroes of faith. And it says, you know, how much more so with this great cloud of witnesses should we be spurred on to moments and commitments of great faith, of doing incredible things for the kingdom of God? And this congregation has a great cloud of witnesses people who've been here in the past and have made this a special place and who today continue to watch and, and, and participate in different ways as they watch us continue their legacy of commitment to God and his kingdom. Henry did love to fish. He loved the outdoors. He loved nature and had an ability to see God in creation that, that often sent him to national parks, to wooded places, to mountainous places, to rivers where he would get in and, and, and fly fish. And he'd talk about that. That was when he felt close to God. But he also felt close to God when he was in the midst of God's people. And that's where he made a huge difference. He was a people person. He was an incredible people person. His energy of spending time and meeting and greeting people was remarkable. Uh, one of the things that we saw this week in, in our church kind of Facebook group, and there's so many people visiting and talking about um, the impact that he made, is over half of the things that people said started with, Henry was the first person I met at Northwest which is incredible because there's a lot of us, and yet somehow Henry became the first person that people remembered meeting because he would just meet you with so much enthusiasm and so much passion. And in the past, we've had a great greeters ministry at Northwest, and it hasn't been organized. We've just had people that that is their gift, and they do it with excellence. Uh, how many... For how many years, when you walk in this door, uh, is Dolores standing right there ready to hug you? It doesn't matter who you are, she's going to hug you. We've had uh, our welcome booth over there with people that work that, and, and you know, Cindy and, uh, and Betty and others who are there and who say, hey, welcome to Northwest, how can we get to know you and, uh, and greet uh, Bonnie with greeting baskets and so many other things, but people who would make sure that you felt welcome when you came in the doors of this church. And one of the reasons that I mention that is... You know, for a while, a couple of years ago, we weren't able to meet in this building. And you can't really do a hugging ministry over Zoom. Um, you just can't. Uh, we tried. You can send emojis. It's not the same. It's not the same. Um, when we came back, we came back and we were staggered in different rows and we had things that were closed and we were wearing masks. And people said, the kind thing is to stay away from me. And we're coming into a season now, and I get that COVID is still there, and we want to be cautious and safe, and if you're sick, stay, you know, all the things. But that being said, we need to get back to meeting and greeting each other. We need to make sure when someone new comes through these doors that we think, you know, if Henry's not here, who's going to meet this person and make them feel welcome? Because maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the one that God needs to get out of my shell and out of my comfort zone to make someone else feel comfortable in this space. And so many of our people who have been incredible greeters over the years have, for different reasons, a need to stay more careful these days. 
And so it means that we need, for some of us who have said, that's taken care of by them, to start to say, you know what? That's now an opportunity for me. If Henry changed this church family simply by going up and welcoming people for years and years, what an opportunity it is for you to become the next person who leads your legacy on this church by being the one who's always welcoming the stranger, who's always greeting the person that you don't know, who's always looking for opportunities uh, to find someone and grow your relationship with them. Always welcoming, always encouraging, always full of joy and laughter. Uh, We need to make sure that that legacy of Northwest echoes forward in our lives and in our practices. He was passionate about the next generations of Christians at Northwest, and this was also mentioned earlier. Uh, One of the great stories that at some point may become actual legend Uh, the great legend of of how Henry the Robin Hood went and welcomed the new people, Uh, is an occasion when the Swans and Beckhams and Westmorelands had been attending another church and they came here and Henry took them and he said, listen, you need to be the next generation of leaders at this church. You need to come here and you need to change this church, not in the future, now. You need to bring an energy and relationships and more young families. And, And Lee is right. Uh, there was an occasion that, that Lee and, and Leah and I and myself and Cammie got together and, and we're saying we're thinking about leaving Northwest and going to a church with more people our age. And someone said, you know, listen, what if you make this the church with more people your age? Um, that legacy of saying this church isn't about the people that have been here the longest, being in charge, being the ones that everyone looks to. Certainly we have people we look to, but it's a church that says we're ready for the next generation of adults to step up and lead. We're ready for the next generation of adults to say, maybe there's somewhere where we can go and be fed to say, how can I help feed others in this place and step into that place? This has to be a church that continues to be about the next generation, and not just the next generation of young adults, but the next generation of young adults raising children and families who are growing up in the faith. It's one of the quirks about Henry. You'd ask him, hey, would you be willing to teach a kid's class? And he would say, no, I already served my time as a teacher of children. Find somebody else. He wouldn't do that. (laughs) But he did a lot of other great things. And we need to be a church that's committed to the next generation. He passionately pursued that. Uh, He wasn't willing to take no for an answer. And he was really able to shape this church in an important way as a result of that. One of the other things that mattered a lot to him, um, if you asked Henry, hey, we're going to do a special series at Northwest, what do you think that series should be on? He would say it needs to be about spiritual warfare needs to be about spiritual warfare. This is one of his favorite passages for that reason. In Ephesians chapter 6, it says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, to stand. 
Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Henry was part of one of the most prayerful and spiritually strong groups of elders I've not only been a part of. Obviously, I've grown up here in Northwest. I've really only been under this eldership. But I go and I talk to other ministers, and none of them have the prayer-filled relationship with their elders that I've been blessed to have at Northwest, and that you've been blessed to have at Northwest, whether you know it or not. We've had shepherds walk into this room when no one's here and pray from this stage over where you sit during the week. We have elders that come together and would spend hours in prayer, at times on their knees, praying for families in all kinds of different circumstances and situations. It, it continues to be one of the most prayer-filled groups of men I've ever seen. Now, here's a picture of, of the group that would get together every Monday night for years and pray. Um, and here's the elders. You can kind of see them um, here. And it, here's the ministers. If you're new here at Northwest, I've got a little bit of a surprise for you. I have curly hair. <laughs> now you know. Um, not as much of it now, but still curly, I think. I don't know. I haven't checked lately. So uh, there you go. But this group of men would get together and pray regularly because they believe that there is a spiritual battle going on for your hearts, minds, and souls. And they wanted to surround you with prayer and lift you up and get you through this life so that you could get to be with God someday. Henry was a part of that. Love talking about spiritual warfare, uh, angels, spiritual forces of darkness and goodness, and how prayer played a major part of that. And I'll tell you, there'll always be two times that, that I'll just think of Henry. One is uh, when you're doing the when someone's doing the welcome here at the beginning of church, and they say, "Please sit down. Please sit down and be quiet. Please sit down and be quiet," uh, because for years it was about that point that someone would say, "Henry." Please sit down, because he wouldn't stop greeting people. And the other time that I'll always think about him is when we get together and do our men's tool exchange every year. And you come up with the rules for the tool exchange. And, and you guys know if you do white elephant gifts or dirty sand or whatever you call it, there's a certain set of rules, like how many people get it before it's frozen, uh, how the end of the game works. And every year when we give the rules, we give all the rules. It's very exhaustive. We cover all of the rules you could possibly have, except for one. There's one year that Henry got up and he opened his gift and he didn't pull it out of the bag. And he just rolled his bag down and he sat down. And we said, what did you get? He says, I'm not telling you. <laughs> That's the whole point of the game is you open the gift, you show it to people, they can steal it or not steal it. That's how you play the game. And he said, I'm not showing you. You have to show us. And he said, I was here when you gave the rules and that wasn't one of them. What do you do? He's not wrong. He's kind of my boss. So he didn't. I don't think he ever showed us what was in the bag. Someone had to steal it just to find out what was in the bag. He showed everyone. He went up, opened another present, went, ha, ha, ha. Didn't show us. Sat back down. That's Henry. 
So we have the Henry rule now at the Men's Tool Exchange where you must open the bag and show it to everyone before you sit down. Uh, little ways that he made big impacts, uh, big ways that he made little impacts. One of my, this is the last kind of thing I want to leave you with today, and I'll read a scripture and we'll be done. Um, on one occasion, the, the Mother's Day, there was a Mother's Day breakfast over there one morning, um, and they said the men can't come. So they kicked all the men out of the Mother's Day breakfast so they could have special Mother's Lady time. That was fine. Um, so we had two choices. We could eat donuts and pout that we weren't invited, or we could do something meaningful. And so I decided to have several of the older men uh, do what is described in Titus chapter 2 of giving advice to the younger men. And Henry was one of the guys that I asked to give advice to, because I asked several of the younger men, um, if you could get advice from any of the older men at church, who do you want to hear from? And Henry was one of the names that came up a lot. And, and so he put together um, one of my all-time favorite books. It's called The Last Lecture. And it's a speaker who is asked to give a lecture as if it was the last um, speech you would ever give. So you put in the most important stuff that you need to pass on to people who will remain beyond you. Um, and, and so he actually, in the book, um, found out he had terminal cancer, it truly became his last lecture. And so I told these, these guys that were presenting on Mother's Day, I want you to think about what is the most important thing that you need to give your last lecture to a group of younger Christian men that they need to hear. Uh, Henry's, when he got up, the main point that he made is 936. 936 dads is the number of weekends you get to spend with your kids from the time they're born until they become adults. What are you gonna do with the 936? When you've got time to either spend it on yourself or spend it on your families and your children, what are you gonna to choose to do with your 936? And he talked at length about the importance of impressing your love and your faith and your, uh, your relationship on your children using all of the time that you've been given. He said, don't take it for granted. Treasure all of those moments. And he did with his kids and his grandkids and his family. Over the past couple of years, he's not been doing very well health-wise. But you could go ask Henry, how are you doing? And he would say, great. And then tell you the great stuff his kids and grandkids were doing. He was living, his life was still continuing to be lived to the fullest because of his family and how he experienced their successes as his successes. And the message that he gave that Mother's Day to a group of young dads was don't take your time with your kids for granted. Pour your life into your families. It's become a tradition at Northwest when we do our baby uh, dedication and our baby blessing service that we give every family a jar with 936 beads in it. A symbolic reminder of Henry's encouragement on that Mother's Day morning that as parents and as fathers that you don't take your time with your kids for granted. And so today as I talk to you about the legacy that he left, I hope that you think about all of these things. And I hope that you're able to reflect on your life and say, man, there is one who is following Jesus who is worthy of being followed in his own way and in my own way. There's a passage that I want to end with today. It's the one that was read earlier, 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. 
This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this, you you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and, an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. It's to this hope that we all press forward. It's to this hope and this salvation that Henry has received that gives us an expressible joy on a day like today. That gives us a willingness to move forward in our faith. I hope that you, as, as you look and reflect on Henry's life, knowing that he wasn't perfect by any means, but knowing that he was one whose life was worthy of reflecting upon as we reflect upon our own lives and the legacy that we want to leave on the church, on our families, and on the world. I want to challenge you. Are you living in such a way that you're committed to the family of God? Are you the kind of person who shows up, who's willing to serve, and willing to lead? Are you the kind of person who's willing to see a stranger and make them feel at home? Who ignores the differences between you and others and instead looks for the commonalities and looks for the sameness, who looks for the, the humanity and the image of God in others and then speaks to them in a way that brings them joy and encouragement? Are you willing to be the kind of person who is constantly in prayer because you know that our battle is not against flesh and blood but against spiritual forces in this world? Are you the kind of person who values and makes use of the time that you have with your kids? Will you pour into them? And will you be the kind of person who has hope in the coming salvation, hope in the world to come, hope in the new creation where all the griefs and sorrows of this world pass away and you go to a place full of praise to the one who has given us all? And in Henry's case, I'm sure a lot of fishing. The new creation is a place worthy of our commitment, our dedication, our sacrifice, and our hope. And if you are here today and you've never received that salvation, you've never received that source of hope, the Bible says all you have to do is believe and be baptized and you can be saved and become one of the people who is invited to that eternal salvation that gives us inexpressible joy and hope of great glory today and in the age to come. If you need to respond to that invitation, please come forward this morning as we stand and sing.